Live in Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Hello and good morning. I am so happy to see you all. And we are going to talk about anti-blackness because the way I got to this point is I'm seeing all this work y'all doing out here. The work Lisa doing, the work Sharon doing, the work Madison doing, the work Zach is doing, the work Jackie's doing, all the amazing books, right? Teresa, Ernest, like like we are doing the work, like y'all killing it out here killing it and i'm like what is the problem why aren't people getting it it's not that the information is too highfalutin and over their heads even though y'all hanging out with all y'all phds and master's degrees like we black women do it's not even that it's that there is such an ingrained level of anti-blackness that resides in people that they haven't dealt with and so that's why i said you know what i'm just going to start talking about it and you know see where it goes so when i kind of you know kind of you know got into it a little bit a couple weeks ago with the jane elliott thing and i'm like damn people are really that upset that number one i'm using this term non-black people well if you're not black you're non-black so like what the hell right who like like why is that even a thing so that i could tell is a trigger for people and then how some people right are are worried about using the word white and using the word black right don't worry about no typos up in here y'all this is this is our spot this is our space in here this is zach's thing this is the living corporate network and this is the place to uh elevate amplify black and brown voices in our experiences this is the bliggity black black blackity black all the black black space okay um and even i started off with eminem you know <laughs> this is a black space <laughs> And Eminem, you know, he gives all the props, okay, to all the black uh, black rappers and all the black people. But this is this is our space. And anybody who knows me, y'all need to know two things about me. Number one, yes, I'm black woman all day, and I'm pro black and pro black woman. I ride or die for black woman. My daughter is a black woman, okay, and a dark skinned black woman, and so I ride harder for black dark skinned women. Okay, because I know what it is and I will till I collapse right hard. Second thing about me is I am from Philly. <sighs> and, you know, sometimes I'll be like, is that good or is that bad? So because I'm from Philly, right, I always got the straight up no chaser. I always got the Philly attitude. So because I decided I'm going to get back in shape, right, back in my pre-George Floyd fighting shape, like literally, y'all, I was like, Diesel. I was doing 25 push-ups in a row. I was bench pressing 80 pounds. Like I was in such good shape, but I got really depressed after George Floyd. And when I saw so much activism happening 
on LinkedIn when I saw so many black people and um all right Donald I'm gonna catch I can catch that I, I can catch that and I can catch that it takes me six weeks to get to a hundred full push-ups yes I can catch you let's go now I got some competition because I'm from Philly like y'all know right so that means I'm competitive. That means I show improve. That means I'm a person of my word. And that means I'm not scared of anything or anyone. Number one, because, right, people hate black women anyway. Can I get a witness? People hate black women anyway, right? <laughs> people hate black people. And it's because of anti-blackness. And that's what we're going to talk about. Used to do 305. Oh, I, okay. So the... The most I ever got to in squat was 185, but people hate black women and they show it and, and they hate black people, but they show it. And it's super sad. And, and it's sad because it's sadder to me more so than I get upset about it is because what I have learned is that it's because of internalized anti-blackness. And so what I have learned, and especially y'all, so I grew up, it's so funny how I grew up. I grew up blackity, black, black, black AF, because when you grow up in Philly and you're black, your family, it spans. So you know how blackness, we span the diaspora, right? From Africa to America, right? And around the world, right? So when you have a black family that is part, a product of a uh, you know, um, the transatlantic slave trade and, and, and American chattel slavery, you know how your family spreads. So my family that I found back, I know we can go back as far as Maryland, but we had to have, I think we got still dropped off in South Carolina because we had some relatives in South Carolina. So I'm saying that to say that, you know, some people migrated north, right? Because I have tons of family from New York. Uh, my grandfather's grandfather is from Canada. So you know how people went north, right? Um, in some states say like, so South Carolina and up. So when I think about my family, I have family that went to HBCUs and graduated, you know, with all kinds of degrees. And then I have families that, you know, um, stayed living in the projects and, and never was able to get like you know, beyond, you know, uh, um, not even a city job or an essential worker job. So when you're black and growing up like I did, I grew up around the full gamut of black people from poor eating government cheese, um, government. Um, all I remember was cheese, milk, eggs, bacon, and some kind of ham, but it was square. I forgot what it was called, but I remember eating that food right at my cousin's house. And I remember my uncle's having a gated community with a swimming pool and tennis courts, right? Because I had my my college high school graduation party at his house. And so, oh, block cheese. But remember, it was like a block meat. It was a block meat too, but it was big. So it wasn't in a can, it was in plastic. And so you had to cut the plastic and then wrap it with um, tinfoil. It was bigger than spam. It was about the size of, this is an iPad mini, but it was some kind of meat. Um, canned spam was little cans of spam. So that other meat was like the meat that you could get. And, and I, maybe it was, we used to call it mystery meat, but it looked like ham, but it had a lot of fat in it, like, like marble, but yeah, some kind of old meat. That's what it was. Some kind of meat, but it wasn't really meat y'all. Cause it probably was like grade D food, 
right? Because who got to eat that food? Black people got to eat that food. Poor people got to eat that food, right? Um, so this is in the, this is in the seventies, and so. When you think about the gamut of Black people and the gamut of Blackness, right? For me, I grew up understanding that Black people come in all spectrums from poor, poor, you know, dirt poor five people in an apartment to living in a six bedroom house with a swimming pool and a tennis court. Oh, and a pool house. They had a shower and a bar in it and a little thing that we could you could put your feet in and a, um like a shower. Okay, so I literally saw the entire range of blackness. And so for me, we all get treated the same. Exactly. There was never a thing. And so as I grew up and then as I, you know, got in corporate, but throughout my life after high school, I was only the only black person in white spaces all the time in college, in um, grad school and in work life. Now, unless I was working in an essential worker job, like when I was working in food service, of course, right, it was gonna be black people. When I was working in um, hospitality, of course there was gonna be black people. And when I was working in luxury services in country clubs, of course there's gonna be black people because black people are everywhere. But the problem is, where do we get to ascend, right? Where does our access get cut off and we're not allowed to ascend? So as I'm, you know, last couple of years, like I said, so I got off of my, after George Floyd, I got off of my workout tip and everything and, and really, you know, started thinking and focusing in on <clears throat> what is happening. Why aren't we getting further ahead when all this great knowledge is out here? Like, like people like Lisa and Sharon and Madison and Teresa and like, like there's just tons of people killing the game on social media. And if you get on TikTok, let me tell y'all, TikTok, you can get the same information that people are laying out in these two and three minute bite-sized videos on TikTok and learn everything you want to learn about Black history, about anti-racism, about how to progress in your journey. But it's not about that, y'all. That's what I figured out over these last two years. It's not about that people don't have the information. It's not about that people don't know how to, uh, you know, address uh, racism in the workplace. It's not about that they don't know what to do because y'all done told them. TikTok is extremely, like, like, I, in 30 days, I did my first TikTok experiment. In 30 days, I was like, this is a this place is a treasure chest and a treasure trove of information. And you can absorb the information quick, right? And you can go to it and get what you need by curating your feed. But here is the thing. Black people go to the black content, right? Because we want to go to that content. <clears throat> because we need that content to nurture and, and be reaffirmed, right? And we know the information. The white people that are getting the content, some of it, I think, is trauma porn, right? Racial porn, just to get their feels. But I think the underlying part of it, y'all, is anti-Blackness. So that's what I want to talk about. So when I talk about anti-Blackness, the first thing that I want to really hit on is that it is a learned condition. And I want y'all to think about that for a second. Anti-Blackness is a learned condition. 
It's a learned condition that has been continually perpetuated and practiced in our laws, in our systems, and our structures. So let's go back to 1492, because I always like to go way back, because I figure like this. If that's the first record they told us that Mr. Um, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So let's say that's the time that anti-blackness was was um initiated as a concept because you have to figure there had to be a way for people to justify in their mind making a subset of humans into animals. Does anybody agree that they had to figure out how to make a subset of humans animals? So they had to do that as early as possible, right? Because there's writings from Columbus that said that the Native uh, American people were uh, humble and showing them everything and that they was going to be able to take advantage of them. Does anybody know those studies? There's writings that Columbus Columbus did, right? So they had to justify how to do it. And, <laughs> right, they had to justify it, okay? I appreciate that. And so they had to do that. And so every system, every structure, everything is still there. And anti-Blackness is so deep in, in us, y'all. I was telling my assistant, Brittany, yesterday or Friday, I don't even know what day it is, Thursday, about how when I went home to Philly, I had gotten a fight with one of my friends because he was being anti-Black. So I'm gonna give you the story. So here I am, my complexion. My friend is chocolate Black, like my daughter, like beautiful Black, right? Um, Black, right? There she is. But that picture is so old. Anyway, my friend that I'm arguing with is dark like this. We are driving through a neighborhood and he says that uh, I don't understand how these how black people can live like this. And I looked at him and I said, MF, are you black? What the hell are you talking about? And he was like, well, I don't know why they can't clean up their neighborhood. I said, first of all, that area is not these people's neighborhood. But second of all, I don't tell black people what to do. I do not tell black people what to do, right? He was like, well, I, they could clean up, they could clean up, right? Because if we were in a in a part of town that, you know, some people are making $20,000 a year, some people are making $40,000 a year. What kind of neighborhood do you think if people are making 20, 30 or $50,000 a year, what do you think the neighborhood looks like, right? So I started getting to argue with my, with my friend, like a really heated argument, like, <laughs> almost dukes up, that's why I'm doing like that, right? A heated argument, telling him that that was very anti-Black. And I said, first and foremost, how are you criticizing Black people about anything when everything, the only thing Black people need to do is focus on survival in this country because every day the world and this country specifically is trying to kill Black people. Every damn day, the world in this country is trying to exterminate black people the way it exterminated the Native Americans so it can steal all the resources. Like it stole all the resources from the Native North and South Americans and boom. Okay, so when you think about the diaspora, right, and that's not my, my area, um, I, I, I'm not sure about Taino people, I don't remember, but 
that's not my, my area of expertise. But if you think about the anti-blackness as, as in, in the colorism uh, sense, you think about it in the sense of um, uh, complexedness, right? And skin, right? It's about dark being bad. It's about the definition even in, yeah, the definition in, um, even in Webster still today is that blackness is negative and dirty, right? And so all these years later, right? Webster's hasn't updated part of the dictionary definition around blackness to make it positive. It's still saying black is the absence of light and it's dirty. Well, no, right? So when I think about an example is, um, so, so back to my friend, right? So, so my friend is like a seventh generation college graduate. Think about that. He's like a seventh generation college graduate. And in his family, he has, you know, college graduates going back at least seven generations, if not to the first graduates from Howard, Morehouse, and people like that. So my friend is what we would call a bougie Negro, <laughs> okay? And so he doesn't see himself in the same way that he sees his, right, and I'm the first college graduate in my line in my family. He doesn't see himself. He thinks that because that's his circumstance that all Black people could be a college graduate. He thinks that all Black people could, could drive an $80,000 car. He thinks all Black people could have what he has. And I mean, and I'll tell you, I love my friend. We've been friends since we was like eight years old. And we cuss each other out. You know, he know not to call me the B word, but we cuss each other out every other word but that. And 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 tell each other the truth. And, and I had to like let him know, you know, Craig, you are a different person. You are in a different a different thing and you don't you you're so far removed and everybody you're around is college graduates you have a highfalutin bougie ass job like like you're like up here and and that's not the typical black experience so when i think about linkedin and i think about tiktok and i think about facebook instagram all of it and i think about you know why is it that people aren't latching on to all this content why isn't it that the corporations haven't done jack shit since 2020? Oh, we pledged this. Oh, we pledged that. How many times? Look at, and I'm not going to name any of the companies, but I want you to just type in tech companies being sued by black women. And look at how many companies have been sued, right? Them post fake ass George Floyd commitments. Because my question is, when you look at the companies that have done all these layoffs, look at who got laid off. When you look at companies who closed their offices, look where those offices were and the level of persons working in those jobs, okay? There is so much happening and a key component of it is anti-blackness at the core where there is value ascribed to black people and there are black people who are doing it to the point where they're blaming black people for their own condition. They are blaming black people for their own condition. Who would agree with me? Oh my God, Tesla got, oh, please. 
Tesla has so many. And their Tesla has like an overtly racist workplace. But let me tell y'all this. <clears throat> let me this is how these workplaces can remain overtly racist. There are insurance companies who specialize in insuring companies against lawsuits from discrimination. Yes. There are companies that specialize specifically in providing insurance to all these big companies to guard against discrimination lawsuits. So when people file a lawsuit, yes, it is legal. It is an industry. It is an industry. If y'all watch, if you watch my old um, um, living corporate things, yes. Yes, they pay for it. Absolutely. They pay for it. So it's called risk. There you go. Risk litigation insurance and specifically. Right. So they pile it up. And so they know that if somebody goes to sue because they of equal pay or whatever, it doesn't really matter because they're paying insurance. Has anybody ever had a car accident um, and you have car insurance? And you still had to pay $500 deductible and all this other money. It's the same exact stuff. It doesn't impact their revenue. It doesn't impact none of their, um, none of their statistics. It doesn't impact anything. You can sue your company, sue a company for discrimination that doesn't come out of their pocket. That's why they don't care. That's why companies will continue in overtly racist behavior like Tesla. Elon Musk got so much money. He don't give a shit. Do you know one of the reasons that Tesla is getting sued is because you have, um, you know about, have, if y'all know about uh, caution tape and factory work, you have to have uh, clear signage, okay? On floors, you have to have clear exits and you have to have clear signs. Things should be painted orange, fluorescent orange and fluorescent yellow. Elon Musk is so trifling and so disgusting and so heinous of a human being he doesn't, he has the basic bare minimum of all safety in his factories because he has, his insurance is so good. It doesn't matter if people fall and get hurt. So this is insurance. So, if, so, and I'm not going to go too much into insurance industry, but I want y'all to research it. Go and research the history of insurance. The history of insurance started on insuring slaves. Okay. So boom, right there. So every industry that started, and I usually have it right here on my desk because I always have it out referring to the constitution. It might be here. Um, the, all of our founding, so-called founding fathers, okay, 80% uh, uh, of those were um, slave owners, okay? So the same people, okay, who started this country were business in business and they were in the business of human beings using human beings to make money. That has not changed at all. It's evolved technologically and it's been able to be maintained and now is so strong because anti-blackness is that deep current. So back to my friend right? He thinks in his mind that black people can all be just like him. They just have to try harder and do better. 
Now, y'all been following me. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since it was invented. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so y'all been following me probably at least a, a few months now. And recently I've been posting about, um, no, he's not. <laughs> he's, and he's a big old Democrat, but that doesn't have nothing to do with it. It's the mindset about anti-blackness, right? Because there's different things you believe about black people. So if you are around money, and you going on trips around the world, okay? <laughs> I know you do, I know, right? I post about women, black women who are doing things out in the world because there's tons of black women out here doing stuff, but you don't hear about it. Why? Because the world hates black women and wants to mush our accomplishments down, right? You don't hear about, you know, black women get 0.002%, okay? Less than a quarter of a percent of the VC money. That's why I don't want their damn money. They can keep it, right? Because they don't want us to have it, okay? This is, is anti-blackness is put in us on purpose. Remember, well, not remember, but if you are, if you've ever watched, I want everybody to watch Roots, Alex Haley's Roots, if you haven't seen it, and tell everybody in your life to watch it and watch it. And maybe let's do, we can do a watching party if you want. I'm, I'm down to do it and discuss it. But what I want people to, to do is look at the dynamics that was at play during enslaved times. Those same dynamics are at play now, but we don't see it. Why? Because of technology, right? We don't see it. Why? Because we are trying to survive every day. And you know why else we don't see it? Because people do not want to believe that they themselves are a slave. Exactly. Look, Boom. Plantation theory. So when Sharon, if you got a book, you need to send it to me. Uh, Lisa, if you got a book, you need to send it to me. Madison, I keep on being like, where's your book? Y'all need to send me your books because I, I read all books by black people. Um, corporate plantations. We have corporate. <laughs> we got court. I have at least two copies of everybody's book that I know that I have read. And I have hundreds of copies of Jackie's book because I give her book away to people as presents because, but anyway, um, you know, when you think about plantations and plantation life, it is the truth. The one hundred it's the, all the way it's the, it's the 100. Okay. And so, and, 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 you know, um, the memo right within this in the ceiling. Yeah. I got everybody's books. I got bad bitches and power pitches. If y'all don't know, precious Williams, um, who else I got over here? I have all of Menda's books. Um, yeah, and I'm going to have my books on the shelf too. But um, you know, the whole the whole thing, right, around how we are functioning, it's just evolved. And so anti-blackness is this thing that's so deep in us. It's this condition. And so what I want to do in this series is first we have to really talk about discovering anti-blackness inside of us and what does that look like. So I had gave y'all like my rundown of my family. Oh my God, Minda, come on. And I got an autograph. I got pictures of me and Minda. <laughs> okay. Uh, because when she came to the company I used to work at, I was the host. So yeah, yeah. Minda is the truth. I tell everybody that I, I tell Minda I'm her number one fan. And one time she did a post and somebody said something about they was the, her number one fan. I jumped in the comments. I was like, <clears throat> no, uh, that would be me. <laughs> Because I feel like I am her number one fan. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh-uh, no. Mm -mm. 
no, no, uh, uh. And oh, and I'll prove it to y'all in my PowerPoints presentations or presentations. I get my pictures from Unsplashed. It's some pictures in there of Minda like four or five, six years ago. Okay, sitting in boardroom meetings with these other black women. Those are the pictures that I use when I do my presentations because it's like all black women, right? <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so I straight up got that from um, those those chicks on uh, Instagram. My whole house is organized like that. Um, what do they call? Oh, home edit. It's called the home edit. <laughs> My whole house is home edited like that. So, um, so anti-blackness is this thing that when you think of black people, something comes to your mind about this or that. And it's not the same thing about white people. So I use it, the um, example of the slap heard around the world. Okay, so Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. And everybody act like he did a school shooting. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Everybody act like he's a serial killer. Hmm. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Everybody act like he ran somebody over with his car. Hmm. He was simply helping his being, being respectful for his wife when Chris Rock did something totally out of pocket. And Chris is a little... B-I-N-B-A-N. <laughs> then don't get me started about Chris Rock. Don't get me started. Because y'all know I'm black. Y'all y'all know I'm black. Exactly. They was worrying about that slap instead of black people getting murdered every day. And how about nobody's worried about Harvey Weinstein raping every damn body? Wasn't nobody worried about Jeffrey Epstein and him and all the politicians, including previous presidents flying all around the world with 13 year old girls okay listen to kanye west music and you'll find out everything that goes on because he everywhere in the background listening and writing rap music talking about the world so i say that to say y'all that anti-blackness is purposeful it is purposeful and if you start looking just think through slavery times to now things have not changed They've evolved because of technology. Technology. Now, Roe v. Wade on June 24th, that for me, that's when y'all might have seen I got real aggressive online because that, y'all, that took me to another level. Because when the Supreme Court came down and said, okay, Roe v. Wade is done, what it said to me was that white women have basically surrendered everything over to the patriarchy, the 700 billionaires, because literally it's 700 people that rule the world. And it's not Beyonce, Jay-Z and Rihanna, they don't, and Oprah, they not, and Tyler Perry, they don't count, and, and, and LeBron. They're, they're not in the billionaires club that I'm talking about. It's not them. It's not, the, it's not them. I'm talking about the people that we can't do anything in this world without relying on their stuff. It's the oligarchs. That same system is still in place and it is maintained in these companies on this app, not, not Crowdcast, but on LinkedIn. It's maintained through anti-blackness. So let's talk about how do you, first of all, discover anti-blackness in yourself. Number one, when you think of uh, Will Smith smacking Chris Rock, why did you get mad if you got mad about it? So this is not for people who was like, 
I, I mean, yeah, I'm from Philly. Do I need to even, and y'all know, I know Will Smith. Okay. Uh, I, y'all don't need to know, t- need to know what I, what I, when it happened, when, what I thought should have happened. Cause you, that's not, you don't, you don't, you don't, first of all, black women are already disrespected 24 seven all the time. You want to talk bad about a man's wife. And this is somebody, they known each other for 40 years, y'all. Not 40, uh, not 40 years. They're 20, 20, 28 years or so. I mean, yeah, actually, no, they knew each other at least 30 damn years because he's 50. I knew him when we, he was 19. He a year, two years older than me. Jada Pink is a year younger than me. They've known each other for 30 years. How are you going to talk about a wife's, his wife's head, right? He could have said anything. And how about this? The joke was written by Amy Schumer. So he used a white woman to, to do that to uh, Will Swift's wife. Amy Schumer wrote that joke. So deuces on Amy Schumer. I don't care what she say. Right. How you going to talk about your friend's wife that you knew for 30 years? And that wasn't the first time he did that. So, so, so my point is, how come nobody was screaming about Harvey Weinstein raping all them girls for years? Jeffrey Epstein flying peak girls, 13-year-old girls around the world, right, with gross men for years. What Nobody is talking about that, right? And, and it's because anti-blackness is is so deeply embedded that we will even be down, talk bad about a black person. We will talk bad about a black person because we have been conditioned as black people. Now let's move over to white people. Okay. White people. And I have been around white people since 1986. I'm always the only one in the room, unless I was there with my daughter. (laughs) Uh, Even my dog is white. Right. Um, Every job. Right. Because I'm the most educated, the most qualified person. I get my job. But then people get, you know, pet to threatened. And then um, I get stuck somewhere and then I'm like, hey, I'm out of here. Right. People expect. Right. White behavior. Black people to have certain kinds of behavior and we can call it out. But but we can never lump white people into a category. Teresa gave me, um, Teresa Robinson gave me something amazing yesterday on the internet. She said her porn is when somebody says to her, oh, you know, I didn't think black people this or that, or you're not like black people. She says to a white person, oh, well, you're not like white people either. You seem so smart and not violent and, you know, kind and friendly. Like, 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 you know, to do it. And they do try to make you think you're crazy. 100%. They 100% try to make you think you're crazy. And it's not you. It's the anti-blackness in them. So it comes off instantly, instantly. So if y'all notice, one of the things that I do, Gaslighting 101, one of the things that I do is I post things. Oh my God, Darvo, please. That's that, that's that stuff. That, that makes me like, that's why I don't play with these people on this stuff. I, I will be, po- I post tons of photos of, of dark-skinned women, of dark-skinned people, because we have got to make the world know that it is nothing. Black, is, black people are the same as other people. As soon as I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't, because would you say that about a white person right there? Would you say it about a white person? Right? 
would you say it about a white person? So here's one thing. Here's what I'm concerned, or not even a concern, but here's a question, an example. And then I want to um, see if y'all want to, you know, like take it into, uh, you know, a deeper conversation and, and, and talk live. But here's the other piece of it is at some point, all of these white people that are claiming to be allies or advocates or DEI leaders or DEI executives or DEI whatever, what are they doing and how have they addressed their own anti-blackness? Because why don't people want a black woman boss? Why won't people uh, promote black women? If black women are the most educated, we're the most educated member of the workforce. I don't know a black woman that only have a, a bachelor's degree. Every back, I, I mean, I know a few that only have a bachelor's degree, but in corporate America, they all got masters and PhDs and JDs and MBAs and RDs and EDs and every kind of Ds, right? Right? So it's like, why are white people doing this work if they have not addressed their own internalized anti-blackness. So one thing I think that they can do is start looking at roots and say, if you look at roots and you watch the history and you watch how things have, what it looks like now, what is the difference? Let's take the Crown Act. Let's take hair. Do you remember in roots, right? Him beating the shit out of Kunta Kente until he finally said, Toby. Why do black women wear wigs when they don't want to? Why? Why do black women put relaxers in their hair? Well, I remember wearing flesh-toned stockings, y'all. I remember wearing flesh-toned stockings. Okay? Right? So that same stuff happens now. Why black women can't wear their hair any way they want? Why do black women in, in, in something like 70% of, of our country, they cannot have their natural hair and they can be told they can't get a job because of their hair? I mean, it's the same thing. Where is the difference? And so what we have got to do is we have got to normalize talking about anti-blackness. We have got to normalize addressing what anti-blackness is and we have got to then, right, call it out. So I like to say it like this, right? We have to discover discover it so that we can uncover it, number one, right? Then we need to disrupt anti-blackness, right? So that was me calling out my friend. That was me saying, MF, as you out your mind, first and foremost, black people, your job is to survive. Can I get a witness on that? As a black person living in America or Europe or Africa, or South America, number one, your job is to survive. Number two, your job, if you can get it, oh, if you could get some peace and rest, then that's your second job. If you can get peace and rest after you survive, yes. And then my third thing for black people is if you can get survival and then you can get peace and rest, then if you can get some luxury, you know, if you can um, home edit your house, <laughs> Right. Right. Or get to go on a vacation or get to, you know, have generations of of college degrees like my friend. Right. But but it takes something. And what it's going to take, y'all, is for us to dismantle anti-blackness. And the only way to do it is we have to 
disrupted in ourselves and when other people see oh my god no they didn't no they didn't no need for the work no need no need okay so listen i got a job for them i got a job for them what their job is what they need to do is a hundred percent they're going to need to um and they need to do like an intensive on uh unlearning anti-blackness so what they have said is that this is the way it is and we're going to keep it like this so they said the quiet part out loud they said what all those companies said after george floyd so um you need to uh dm me so i can give you my we can uh exchange phone numbers because i i can help you out uh with some information uh cheryl so get in my dm on linkedin and um i got i got you so what we have to do is discover it figure it out disrupt it so that it can be dismantled but i'm gonna just tell you that's where it comes from it comes from having a view about black people that is conditioned think about television so i'm doing this whole series on the show seinfeld did anybody ever used to watch seinfeld that show seinfeld back in the 90s okay Seinfeld is the whole map to white people it's the whole map to white people so that's why I'm doing a, a thing about it they they tell us they tell the rest of America everybody else the hierarchy of the world what we what is what and then every show and everything built out after that continued it because we laughed at it because people thought it was funny instead of saying oh my god this is horrible these people are horrible that's how white people really are, just like the people in Seinfeld. And and so in a in a generalized sense, from the standpoint of why we are in this situation, because they get to live in a bubble, right? That is a privileged bubble that is far removed from the black experience. And so my first advice to any person doing DEI work that is not black <laughs> is to watch Roots. I would never tell a black person to watch it because it's so traumatic, especially as an adult without like having a therapist or somebody work you through it. But but if you're working in the DEI space, you need to watch that movie or, or that series and you need to sit with how you feel and you need to unpack what's going on as you do it, because that is the key. And so I want to say thank you all so very much for joining me today um, for this first part series. I'll see y'all back here. I'm going to go here just in case LinkedIn tries to make me not be great. But hey, thank you so much. Share this with your friends. So I just want to say thank y'all so much. And till I collapse, I'm going to be out here in these DEI streets doing the damn thing. But right now we're going to be unpacking and unlearning anti-blackness. So thanks so much for joining and I will see y'all soon. Bye. When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone.